good to be here. It is Christmas season, y'all. Merry Christmas. Let me be the first one to tell you. I'm surprised, babe. You didn't get up here and do like a Christmas dance or anything. Like, you did. I know. Merry Christmas. You don't want me to dance. I might hurt somebody. I won't hurt myself. I'll hurt you. I promise. It is Christmas. It is also uh, Advent season, and uh, I'm excited to take a, a small pause from our Disciple series. Uh, we were uh, in a eight-week series, and we'll pick that back up in uh, mid-January. Uh, but we're going to do a few weeks in this Advent season uh, with a series titled In Your Presence. In Your Presence. Before I, I get into this, I thought I'd take a moment, uh, as some people have, uh, have asked me, uh, what is Advent? And uh, I, I love that somebody was willing and courageous enough to ask me because, you know, sometimes we just kind of go along and keep doing things and just expect everyone to kind of know what we're doing. Um, and so I always invite you, uh, church, to ask. Never feel like asking a question for clarity um, is a bad thing. I think it's important that we get better at asking questions. If you hang out with me for any length of time, you know that I love asking questions. It is uh, what I believe one of the gifts that God's blessed me with. I don't know how I come up with them, but sometimes the wisdom of heaven uh, just drops them on my heart, and so I'm good at it. So if you want to know some things, ask the question. So like, what is Advent? Well, let me just break it down for you. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means the coming or the arrival. Essentially, the season of Advent in the church appeared as early as the 4th century. So it wasn't early days in Scripture. It was later that this was developed, and it was an effort to draw our attention and stir our anticipation for the coming of the Savior this Christmas season. That's what Advent was established and created to do. So Advent, we learn to slow down. We learn to wait eagerly. And in this case, we're going to learn to wait in His presence for the coming or the arrival of the most pure and perfect gift, Jesus. So I want to encourage us this next few weeks, let us not hurry through this season. It's easy to do. From place to place and party to party and gift to gift and thing to thing and work assignment and school assignment and everything else in between, it is so easy for us to get caught up in the proverbial rat race of the Christmas season. But I want to encourage you and challenge you to slow down this season and create room for times of reflection and celebration. Elise said earlier that some of the best parties are last-minute parties. Be open to ex receiving and extending a last-minute party invitation. Why? Because you never know what fruit or joy or celebration might come from a last-minute celebration. I want, to, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to reflect on the year behind us. We celebrate Thanksgiving for one day. We sit around the table, some of us, and we share all the things that we're thankful for, and then we turn around the very next day, and it's a mad dash to put up all the decorations. Unless you're in my house, we've been putting decorations up since November 1st. And that's okay. Happy wife, happy life. But yet, quickly, we forget all the things that we're thankful for in 2022, and we start thinking about all the selfish things that we hope to get in this few short weeks leading up to Christmas. Maybe that's just me. So I want to challenge us to not just be thankful for a day, but let's truly spend time this Christmas season to slow down 
and reflect on the year behind us. What were you thankful for in 2022? Celebrate the healing. Celebrate the growing, the maturing. Celebrate all that God has done. And maybe even challenge yourself to celebrate all the things that God is still doing. In other words, you're still praying and believing for a miracle. You're still praying and believing for the healing. You're still praying and believing for something to take place in your life, a dream to come to pass or a promise to be fulfilled. Maybe stop to celebrate all that's happened behind you, all that's happening in you, and all that's yet to happen in, through, and around your life. While fixing our hearts and our eyes on the arrival of the fulfilled promise, the Savior of the world, Jesus. That's what Advent is. If you want to know more about Advent, you can go to our website. We have a cool little page that just has the title Advent, and all of this information is there. But it's easy sometimes to just go along and get along, and I don't want us to just go along to get along. I want us to go along and ask some questions along the way. So this Advent season, we're going to draw our attention to a text out of Psalm 16 and verse 11. Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says this, You show me the path of life, the psalmist says. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. The word fullness is translated to mean abundance. There is an abundant amount of joy. Or joy can be translated to gladness or happiness. So what you could arrive at is that there is an abundance of gladness. There's an abundance of happiness. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your right hand are pleasures, also translated to mean promises, forevermore. It is a promise that when we draw near to his presence, listen to this, we will find, discover, and experience the fullness of joy. I love what Spurgeon says, he says that there are three results of nearness to Jesus. Happiness, holiness, and humility. I'm praying and believing that this Advent season, that in his presence, we will experience and discover the fullness of his joy. That as we draw nearer to Jesus, we will find eternal happiness, we will mature in holiness, and we will live with greater humility. That's my prayer for us this Advent season. That as we spend time in his presence, not, and we spend time reflecting on all that he's done and all that he's yet to do. As we spend time in his presence drawing near to him, we will discover and experience the fullness of his joy. And we will find eternal happiness. Not worldly happiness. I love that song, Give Me a Jesus. You can have the whole world. You can have it all. I just want Jesus. I want eternal happiness. I want eternal joy. We will mature in holiness and we will live with greater humility, that we will become more like Jesus as we slow down this Advent season and just make time to be in his presence. So over the next four weeks, which includes Christmas Eve, I'm praying that we will discover that in his presence, there are a few incredible truths. And the first one that we're going to unpack tonight is that in his presence, there is light. There is light. Would you turn with me to your, uh, in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah 
chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. You can read along on the screen with me. I'm going to read to you the New, Living, uh, the New Revised Standard Version, uh, this particular talk, and uh, I hope you will be encouraged by it as much as I have. It says this in verse 1, Isaiah 2, verse 1, the Word, let's just pause there for a moment before we go any further. It says the Word, the Word. I think it would be helpful for you to circle, highlight, underscore the word. Not like, you know, on the streets when they say word, but the word. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. And it says, many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem he shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. I don't know about you, but I've always read that and thought he's readying us for battle. But yet what he's actually doing is he's calling us to lay down our swords and to lay down our spears and turn them into tools that will take dominion of the earth and, and cultivate the earth and be fruitful in the earth and multiply the earth by becoming farmers. What an incredible promise in truth. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Listen to this. O house of Jacob, come. O followers of Jesus, come. O all ye people, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. In your presence, there is light. Isaiah 2 opens with the most profound statement. If I was being honest with you, I paused on this statement for literally two days. And I just reflected on this opening statement. And it just reads this, the word that Isaiah saw. I don't know about you, but in our one-year Bible reading, I've heard a lot of the Lord speaking to prophetic people, the prophets, old and new, big and you know, minor and major prophets, and it's always read that the word of the Lord came to them and they heard. But yet here I read in this particular text, it says that the word of the Lord that Isaiah saw. It's interesting to me because he didn't just hear the prophetic word of the Lord. This was one he saw. This is one he envisioned. This is one his eyes gazed upon. This season is a time not just to hear the word of the Lord, but for you and I to see the word. And to see it is translated the matter or thing. The Hebrew word debar commonly signifies the prophecy or vision. In other words, we're not just going to hear the word of the Lord. We're not just going to hear the prophetic voice of heaven. We're not just going to hear through man. We're going to see the word of the Lord. We're going to see the prophetic vision. We're going to see the promise 
come to pass. It's not just about hearing, it's also seeing. And so what Isaiah is opening us up to is the possibility that we might not just be hearers, but we might also this season be seers when we spend time in his presence. To see that in the presence of our Heavenly Father, there is light. That is the opportunity in front of us. The Hebrew word for light is or, simply translates a light. I know, really profound. But what's interesting is that this is the same translation that we find in Genesis chapter 1, 3, verses 4, that reads this. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Now, here's the thing. I've been saying as a church, and we've been proclaiming as the church, that part of our mission is to go and bring the light and life of Jesus to all the darkest places of our community. You know, I've never once studied the word darkness in Scripture. Up until this week. I know, it's such a crazy thing. It's like, it's in our mission statement. I've never even once just hit search, darkness. What does it mean biblically? Here's what I found. The word darkness in Hebrew is choshek. Figuratively, miserly, uh, sorry, figuratively meaning misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. Like, we're not just talking about turning the lights on, we're stuck in the dark, y'all. We're talking about some really deep pain. We're talking about some really deep matters of the soul. We're talking about some really dark nights that are lonely and discouraging and hopeless at times. And what Jesus, sorry, and what Scripture is telling us is that God, from the very beginning, he found that in his presence, he wanted to create light, which essentially was to separate darkness from light so that light would have rule and reign on the earth. And even when that wasn't enough and there was still darkness at night he created stars and a moon so that there wouldn't no longer be discouragement there'd be no more misery there'd be no more destruction no more death no more ignorance no more sorrow no more wickedness that light was to created was created to illuminate the darkness it was created to illuminate the misery It was created to illuminate the destruction. It was created to illuminate the death, the ignorance, the sorrow, and the wickedness. It was created to bring that which is formless and void, as scriptures, as verses 1 and 2 say, that which is lost in the dark into the light. Now watch this. The Greek word for light is phos. I might not pronounce that right, but but the definition is a source of light. Or the radiance of the light. Which is the same translation we find in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Watch this. In the beginning was the word. Oh, there's that word again. Just circle that for me. Just, this is going to be fun. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. 
the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not, cannot, will not ever overcome it. Now watch this. The Greek definition for darkness is skoshia, a brand of moral or spiritual obscurity, which blocks the light of God when faith is lacking. Come on, somebody's been sitting in the dark for far too long, and I'm believing that the light is going to invade the darkest places of your life tonight and set you free. That those who are lacking faith, that's been blocking the light from getting in, tonight I'm believing that the light, the power of the light will break through to the darkest places and bring healing like you've never experienced before. Here again, we we read that in the beginning was the Word. Word is uh, preeminently used of Christ, Jesus, as we just referenced in John 1 and 1, expressing the thoughts, listen to this, expressing the thoughts of the Father through the Spirit. And by this text, we know that the Word now is whom? Jesus. So in the beginning, we know that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit were there. We know that in John, he's referring back to the beginning so that they understand the promise being fulfilled is also from the beginning, is now in the present. But we're recognizing that, that this is God himself speaking specifically through, through the Spirit, the fulfillment of promise. So by this text, we know that the Word is Jesus as the Word was in the beginning, which begs us to consider, watch this, that the Word that Isaiah saw is and was also Jesus. It says the word Isaiah saw. It's interesting to me, if you remember a story about a man named Paul, he was on the road to Damascus with yet another assignment to go and to martyr Christians, and he had an encounter with a light. Later, he describes that light as having an experience, having seen Jesus. So what we're, what we're discovering here is that Isaiah heard the word of God, but didn't just hear it. He saw it. And what I believe it's possible to believe based on scriptural fact is that he saw Jesus, which would then mean that in his presence, there is Jesus. In his presence is the word In his presence, there is light. In his presence, there is the fullness of joy. Come on. When you have Jesus, who is the word and is also the light, there is no other result than the fullness of joy. There is no other result than the abundance of gladness. There is no other result than the abundance of happiness. If you're looking for happiness in anything else but Jesus, then let me just encourage you tonight that maybe, just maybe, there is another level of happiness that's possible for you and me to experience, and it's found in the fullness of joy. I mean, that's what the text tells us, that in all things, I love that. John 1, 3 says, in all things. It doesn't say in some things. It doesn't say any mighty mo, catch a tiger by its toe, just those things. It says, in all things came into being. In all things came into existence. I'm looking around the room at a bunch of all things. 
Look to your left. Look to your right. You're looking at a all thing. An all thing that came into being in existence through whom? Him. And without him, not one of y'all things came into being. That's good news. That's like just filling me with joy. I wasn't even, I kind of wasn't looking, I didn't know if I was going to laugh, smile, cry during this talk, but I'm just kind of getting excited. Like I might just laugh the rest of the way. In other words, what has come into being in him was life. You, me, and Dupree. I promise you, him too. And the life was the light, it says, of all people. Not just some people. Like, it's not just like, well, we're going to give the light and the life to this people, and y'all are just kind of like out of luck. Is he? Tyler's like, ugh. But unfortunately, we've done too much of that. And what we need to be reminded of this Christmas season is not only to slow down and to spend time in his presence, but to understand when we do, we might just experience the very light that brought all things into being and created all things and created an opportunity for you and I to experience true healing. The Bible says that light shines in the darkness. In the, in the darkness cannot overcome it. In other words, if we go back to the definitions of what we understand darkness to truly mean now, your moral or spiritual obscurity, your misery, your destructive thoughts, your fear of death, the wickedness or sorrow that you've been feeling, any ignorance, none of those things can overcome the light. Which begs me to ask the question, if you're still struggling with any of those things, have you actually encountered the real light of Christ? I, I, I might pose it to you this way, that darkness that haunts you at night when no one else is around, it's kept you trapped. The fear that that it's impossible for you to experience healing. The thought that you might feel unworthy of forgiveness or love, that you might be unworthy of actual experiencing the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his happiness, the fullness of his gladness. Is it possible that that feeling, those thoughts, have kept you in this, perpet this perpetual state of darkness? This, this mindset, this, this idea that you've accepted as truth, that, 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 that your darkness cannot be overcome by the light of Jesus. I, I've heard from, from many people, some of you in our community and, and elsewhere, that, that there's, just, there's people that are just tired. Somebody confessed to me earlier this week that, that they've just been faking it. I'm like, man, you've been doing a good job because you had me fooled. People are just tired. People are hurting. The recovery process from, from the past few years, the, the pressure socially and economically, the, the workload, the, the family load, and everything else in between. It's just like, golly, when do we get a break? Right now. Right now. We're going to get a break right now.
Because I believe that in his presence tonight, there is light. In his presence, there is Jesus. You see, while we're in this season of Advent waiting for the arrival of the Savior, the beautiful thing is is that we actually don't have to wait. We already have access to him because he's already paid the price for us. He's already come. He's already gone. He's already come. He's already gone. Nothing's new under the sun. And so while we wait eagerly for Christmas Day, we can also receive and experience the light of the sun in this very moment. And you can experience the kind of power that digs deeper beyond just the surface of your pain and gets to the misery, the sorrow, the death, and the destruction and actually uproot that very thing and set you free forevermore. You know, I've got a confession to make. I've been wrestling with this thought. I'm reading over and over and over in Scripture with just one word, people are completely set free and healed. doesn't mean there's not a scar or there's not residue from it, but yet I'm still struggling to understand why even in my own life, there's been moments where I've experienced healing, but yet I still feel trapped in my misery. Is it possible maybe even I haven't experienced the fullness of the light of Jesus in that moment, in that space? Or is it possible that I haven't fully released it to him because I just wanted to have something to hold on to to be upset about? I'm just talking for me. Take that however you want. I believe that tonight, though, if you really want to get serious, if you really want to be healed, if you really want to be set free, If we really want to be a people about invading the darkness places of our life, the misery, the destruction, the fear, the death, the sorrow, the ignorance, if we really want to be about it, can we just be courageous enough to admit that maybe we need to receive it also? Is it possible that tonight could be the night that you're healed of that thing? That you can lay down the burden, the fear, and the worry that has been tripping you up and holding you back for far too long. Can I ask you to stand with me? Is that you tonight? Are you trapped in a perpetual state of darkness? Uh, in this, this never-ending space of obscurity? Are you trapped in a perpetual state of fear, death, of, of destructive thoughts? Are you trapped in a perpetual state of sorrow? Is the anxiety in your life just running rampant to the point where you just don't even know how to control it anymore? If that's you tonight, before I draw this talking to a conclusion, I want to ask you just to do something very brave. If that's you tonight, right where you are, would you just lift your hands to heaven? Just say, that's me. There's no judgment here. This is not the place for that. This is none other than the house of the Lord. This is a place where all are welcome at the table. It's a very place where we can all come to this moment and be really honest and say, that's me. There's some dark areas of my life that I don't know have actually experienced the light of Jesus. That's you tonight. Just 
Just raise your hands to heaven. Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready to let go. Come on, let tonight be the night you let go. What do you have to lose? I'll tell you what you have to gain. The fullness of his joy. The fullness of his joy. You have perfect peace to gain. You have healing forevermore to gain. So Father, right now, every hand raised and every hand that is fighting to be raised, every heart that's postured towards you and every heart that wants to be postured towards you, I pray that, that right now in your presence, the light that breaks through darkness, that overcomes darkness, that defeats darkness, penetrate the very hardest places of our life the places of deep darkness deep fear deep deep destruction deep sorrow deep regret deep hurt and right now in the name of Jesus I pray healing I pray you uproot it I pray you heal it and I pray that you restore all that's been lost in every one of us that have been trapped by the darkness for too long. Tonight, Father, by the sound of my voice and by the word of your son, Jesus, I pray healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let it be done, Lord, by your spirit in Jesus' name. Let your light shine in the darkest places right now in Jesus' name. I pray for a healing in Jesus' name, I pray that every one of us leaves here lighter than when we came in, changed from the inside out, transformed forevermore. We leave here having experienced the fullness of your joy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Stay there. Stay there. Stay in this place of receiving. See, what Isaiah saw was a word. What he saw was the light. What he saw was Jesus. What he saw, he prophesied. And this is what he said, according to Eugene Patterson. He said, there's a day coming when the mountain of God's house will be the mountain solid, towering over all mountains. All nations will river toward it. People from all over set out for it. They'll say, come, let's climb God's mountain." Let's go to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. Zion's source of the revelation, God's message comes from Jerusalem. He'll settle things fairly between nations. He'll make things right between many peoples. They'll turn their swords into shovels, their spears into hoes. No more will nation fight nation. They won't play war anymore. Come, family of Jacob. Come, all you followers of Jesus. Come, all you disciples. Let's live in the light of God. Let's live in the light of God. I don't know about you, but this word that Isaiah saw sounds a whole lot like Jesus. It sounds like that in the presence of the Father 
Isaiah saw the word that was in the beginning with God. The word that would unite men, Jews and Gentiles, unto him. The word that would spread the gospel and see the house of God be established as the highest mountain. The word that would cease wars and would defeat darkness and would teach all men his ways and invite them to walk and to live in the light of the Lord. I mean, it is what he says about himself. What Isaiah saw is exactly what Jesus said of himself when he said in John 8 and 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll have the light of life. I wanna wanna close with this, and then we're gonna conclude with a, a song of celebration. Matthew Henry summarizes the word Isaiah saw this way. He says, let Christians strengthen one another and support one another. It is God who teaches his people by his word and spirit. Christ promotes peace as well as holiness. If all men were real Christians, there could be no war. But nothing answering to these expressions has yet taken place on earth. However, What others do, let us walk in the light of his peace. Let us remember that when true religion flourishes, men delight in going up to the house of the Lord and in urging others to accompany them. Could it be that this Advent season, we are the ones answering these very expressions? That what others do, whatever others do, we become a people who walk and live in the light of this peace that we exemplify true religion, one that delights in the house of the Lord and invites others to come along with us. Could it be in this season of Advent we commit to drawing nearer to his presence where we will discover the fullness of his light, where we will find eternal happiness, where we will mature in holiness, and where we will live with greater humility. And as a result, Will we become more like Jesus as we slow down this Advent season so that those closest to us, listen now, those of us who've just experienced the light, those of us who've just experienced healing, those of us who've just experienced the fullness of his joy, those of us who have encountered Jesus, who have not just heard about him, but have now seen him work in our life, so that those closest to us will come along with us and learn to walk in the light of the Lord with us. See, that's what just happened. In His presence, we experience the light. And now from this moment forward, every person that we come in contact with has an opportunity to walk alongside you, not in your light or in your shadow, but in the light of the Lord because of what you just encountered. Could that be this Advent season, this Christmas season where your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, even your enemies could walk alongside with you in the light of the Lord. In his presence, there is light. Amen.